As a born-again believer, you have the DNA of Jesus. Be ready to be activated and launched into your identity as kings. Receive impartation to succeed in life. Recover your ordained sphere of influence. Receive strategies to unlock wealth building for your family and advance the kingdom on earth. Be initiated into the lost tribe of kings, rising to reign and rule alongside the King of Kings. Learn more about how you can connect with us by visiting our website, kingsandwealth.com. Again, our website is kingsandwealth.com. So that is our source code. We have the DNA of Jesus, the DNA of kings, that is our source code. That's our core design. Going further into core design, what is our mandate? What is our mandate? Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over all the earth, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Have dominion over the earth. Again, these words are so big, you don't realize that you're actually part of his plan to do this stuff. Let me go in a little deeper. The word subdue. The word subdue. This is, yeah, I'm going all Greek scholarly on you right now. Sometimes we just got to dig a little deeper, okay? Dig a little deeper. Now, subdue, the, Hebrews, the Hebrew version of subdue is kabash, which means literally bring into bondage, subjugate. There's a whole bunch of definitions that are even longer this. But it all, it's all about, it's, it's all, you know what I'm trying to say. It's, it says here, bring into bondage. That's a pretty violent word, okay? Bring into bondage. And then dominion, the word dominion. The, word, the Hebrew word for dominion is radar. Prevail against, reign, rule. So when we say fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the earth, and if you go into the verse, you'll know it means literally everything. I mean, it's all listed out, right? The birds, the sea, the, the, the birds, the fish, all the living things. So you and I are supposed to have taken all these things, not have, but to take all these things into bondage, to subjugate all these things, to bring them under our rule and our reign. This is our mandate. And we shall reign on the earth. So I'm even going to push it so far to say that you know what, it's like, it's like the iPhone, right? You know, we have like, the, almost everybody has the iPhone, whatever phone you have. Um, the iPhone has got default factory settings. The iPhone has got default factory settings. Now, you and I, we have that default factory setting in us too. What is our default factory setting? We want to conquer kings, kings, okay? It is our setting. We want to expand. We want to conquer. You think that's weird? It sounds weird because it's so politically incorrect to say that, oh, we want to conquer. But you know what? 
These are what kings are made for because our God is like that. This is God's intrinsic nature. To create, to own, to reign, to rule, to legislate, to govern, to bring order. Let me read this again. To bring order to the universe he created. This is what your father is like. Men and women, this is what your father is like, sons and daughters. You are created to rule and to dominate. You are created to rule and to dominate. Okay, next point. Now, before I do this, I have people that are still signing in right now. Let me just forward this to Annette. And Erica wants to sign up in the middle of the conference, which is great. It's all good. Erica Reynolds. Annette, please watch out for Erica Reynolds and send her the link so that she can come into the con this conference right now. Okay, so let me just go back to this. Polymath, the beast, raw, uncut diamonds. Now, if you haven't read my articles, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. And I know some of you have. I'm going to take some time here. Apart from the visions that I had that I was telling you just now, the Lord also showed me it is time to go out there and search for kings. It is time to recover that lost tribe. And I was asking the Lord, what, how do you, you know, where do I even begin? How do, I'm not even, I don't even know what you're telling me. How, I can't even make sense of what you're saying to me. And it was a very painful time for me to write that article and to receive from him all these prototypes of kings because I, at that time, it was shortly after my husband passed in uh, late 2018, October 2018. And I was going through a lot in my personal life. I was trying to sort out a lot of things. But he didn't let me go. And I had to write about this because it is time to raise and call out the kings. And he showed me three prototypes of kings to identify, so to speak. They are polymaths, and they are the beast, and they are the raw, uncut diamonds. Uh, polymaths are people that are multi-talented, people that are able to have very broad vision, but people that are also able to come right down to the detail and are also very good with detail. And people who are able to function, like my new coach says, left brain, you know, function in the left brain, the left brain hemisphere, and also able to function the right brain hemisphere. On one hand, they are artistic. On the other hand, they are also able to be very technical, very mathematical, very scientific, and very logical. Now, I personally, I tend to go to the right side, which is creative, but at the same time, I also enjoy technical information. I also enjoy data, enjoy analyzing, enjoy the left brain functioning of, of, of looking at data and, and, and making sense out of it and being very logical. And, um, and I, I know my late husband was like that. He was an attorney as well. I was an attorney, he was an attorney. And um, 
so it's normal for us. We have to to go through a huge amount of data to try and make sense out of it, you know, and, and come right down to the crux. So he was like that too. He was he was a brilliant attorney in his area, which is called private equity. But at home, he was able to be totally creative. He can create dishes in the kitchen. He can cook really well, you know, and so he was an artist in the kitchen. And these are what polymaths are like. There are all these different facets. And for me as well, I love, I enjoy, I re oh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to follow where the, the camera is. Yes, I enjoy reading about the stock market, analyzing data, and trying to figure out, okay, which company has solid fundamentals and I should invest in it. This really gives me such a kick. I love it. And uh, yes, I'm getting better at it. I'm getting really good at it, actually. And um, on the other hand, when I'm renovating, when I'm remodeling, remodeling my properties, wow, I just absolutely love to transform a space. And I'm very good at adding value to a property so that when people come and see my property, they just want to buy it. So you, whatever you call it, you know, I think it's a bit of the Holy Spirit leading me plus a lot of the, what, what God has already deposited inside of me as part of my DNA. So I'm also a polymath. And then there is the beast king. What is the beast king? You know, there are already people out there that are very, very successful. Extremely successful. But they are disconnected with God. Just like the beast in the story of the beauty and the beast. Now the beast king is buffered by his moat, his or her moat of wealth. And so they're kind of isolated because they have been disappointed because they have been disappointed with people, disappointed with God. But because they've done so well in life, it's hard for them to factor in that God has anything to do with their success. But in my article, I said, the reason why I do this is like how Jesus went out, left 99 sheep behind to go out for that one lost sheep. He came to seek the lost because his heart is to recover that lost sheep. It doesn't matter how successful a person is. It doesn't matter how much money a person has. It's God's heart to touch the heart of that, that king. He is just as precious to God as well as the other 99, the other 99 sheep that are not lost. So, that's the other prototype, the beast king. And many, many believers fall into the last category, which is raw, uncut diamonds. I'm more like a combination of being a polymath as well as a raw, uncut diamond, because as you can see, I'm still very unpolished, I'm still very raw, and I'm not afraid to say that. So, you know, it takes polishing from the Lord, it takes polishing with time, before the DNA, of, the DNA of a king can emerge. So I am so excited. These are the three areas. These are the three prototypes. And guess what? Since I started writing about this article, I just keep running into kings. I just keep running into so many polymaths. So many people identify themselves as polymaths. 
it is, it is absolutely wild what God is doing. I'm running into so many successful people and I know God has such a heart to touch them because they are just as precious to him. Now, that's the prototypes. And let me come into another layer as a king. I believe, I believe that there's genius DNA deposited inside you and me. I believe that there's genius DNA deposited inside you and me. You are a genius by design. You are a genius by design. Now we all know in this big white world, everybody has got, there, there are all these people that we look to, you know, whether it's Elon Musk, I write, I write a lot about Elon Musk in my book because I believe he's like, a tr he's like amazing genius, amazing genius. He's like, you know, he didn't, he didn't just start one business and it was a runaway success, he started many. I mean, he, did you all know that he and Peter Thiel started a company that was like the prede predecessor to PayPal? Yeah, you know, we've been doing PayPal, right? The payment of PayPal. <laughs> Without PayPal, I won't be able to do this. And um, PayPal was started by Elon Musk and Peter Thiel. And of course, now we know he's a founder, he's the founder of Tesla. He's also the founder of SpaceX. So he's like the founder of three amazing revolutionary business. He's a genius by any standard. He's a genius by any standard. And so there's always this kind of discussion, you know, what is, is a genius born? Is a, is a person born a genius? Is all, all this stuff, you know, all these studies. Well, friends, if you are here, let me tell you, let me point you back to what the Word of God says. You have access to God's mind and thoughts because you have the mind of Jesus Christ and you have his DNA. So if we agree, if you agree with me that we have the DNA of kings and we have the DNA of Jesus Christ, then we're definitely a genius, right? Because Jesus, Jesus created the universe. He created the universe. And let me read out the word to you. Eye has not seen nor ear has heard can you flesh out the, uh, the yes? That's right. First Corinthians 2nd, 9 to 10. Eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. The things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Basically, in a nutshell, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, because we have the DNA of Jesus in us, Jesus is able to tell us all sorts of stuff. We are able to have access to the mind of God. That is what that's been given to us. That's the kind of access we have. Let me just say that again. We have the potential to access God's mind. We have the potential to access God's mind. Now, I just wrote this here. This is hot off the press. I, am, I was about, this, is, this one is crazy. This is brand new. Just one second. Let me just take a sip of water over here. Now, November 18th, just a few days ago, right? I'm trying to finish up 
I was finishing up this. I've, I was finishing this. This manuscript was sent out. I was trying to tidy up the slides here as we're talking right now. These are all a lot of brand new stuff, brand new revelations. And guess what? When I added this verse, when I added this verse here, pay attention, friends. When I added this verse, I has not seen nor ear has heard the things which God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So we have access to God's mind. We have the ability to know everything. Now, as I type this passage here on these slides, on this keynote presentation, the Holy Spirit said, and that was 9.45, 9.45 p.m. at night in Frankfurt in my office. He said, look at your portfolio now. 9.45 p.m., that was 15 minutes before the market closes in New York. I checked and I realized my stock in Tesla just went through the roof. You can check the news, you can check the news. Tesla went through the roof a few days ago. And bam, I sold it. I, make a huge, I made a huge profit, I'll tell you how much is it later. But this was what happened. As when I was writing this verse, the Spirit said to me, I'm revealing something to you now, act on it right now. I know some of the, the posts that I put out, some of you might find, oh my gosh, what is this woman thinking? I'm telling you, you have the same access that I do. Now, another very important trait Another very important trait of a king is exceptional clarity of vision. Exceptional clarity of vision. I just want to quote one verse here, one verse here, and then I'll explain what I mean by that. It says here, H-A-S, what I meant to write was Habakkuk. Habakkuk says, write the vision, make it plain that he may run who reads it. That's on the implementation part. But I believe in order for a king to succeed, for any person to succeed, you need to be very clear in your mind. The vision that you need to have, you need to be so clear what you want to achieve and how it's supposed to look like, and then you execute. Now, let me just give you a very simple example. I took six months with my architect to plan the construction of our house in 2013. Sorry, 2014. We took six months. I had the vision, everything was so clear in my head, every detail, every stone, where, what, what the fireplace was supposed to look like and uh, how the colors were supposed to look like, even the colors were, you know, I don't want to sound too religious, but yeah, you know, they were kind of like what, what we call prophetic colors, something like that. <laughs> all this sort of, <laughs> this sort of hues, this sort of, yeah, with the green and the olive green and the purple and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But um, I had very, I was very clear in my mind what the house would look like. And I wanted, and, and, and I wanted to, to build storage in all those very awkward corners in a very old house. The house was, was built in 1938. And so we did a full gut, a full renovation. But the planning was six months. I took, I took six months to plan all the details with my, with my architect, my German architect. 
And I remember he was so frustrated so many times, he kept saying, Frau Schmidt! He, kept, he used to talk like that to me. He said, I cannot see what's in your head. I cannot see what's in your head. And, you know, because I was trying to tell him, oh, it's got to look like this guy, and then why is it? And, and he was saying, you, I cannot see what's in your head. But it was very clear in my head. I just had to communicate it to him, what I wanted to be done. It took us six months. Six months was all we needed. Six months to complete the full gut renovation of our house. And by the time I sold it, I added so much value. My husband and I, we added so much value to this house. By the time I sold it this year, sorry, late last year, I sold it late last year, I managed to get double the price of what we bought the house for in 2013. Vision is one thing to have vision. And a lot of times, a lot of people talk, oh, vision this, vision that. I mean, this is so important. I, really, I get so irritated, guys. You know, don't just talk vision. Vision, if you just keep talking about it, is just fluff. Cotton candy. You need to have details, you need to have a plan, and you need to execute. I'm going to go into that as well. But you need to have, leaders need to have exceptional clarity of vision. And what's going to help you really succeed as a king? You need to have strategy. Can we go back to that chart, please? Yeah. You need to have strategy and you need to have tenacity. Strategy and tenacity to triumph through trials. It's a bit of alliteration there, you know, playing, playing with words, having a bit of fun. Strategy and tenacity to, to triumph through trials. And we know, this is, this is in the Bible, God always leads us to triumph in Christ. And you're going to say, oh my gosh, you know, the world's going, uh, yeah, so many bad things. I get, I get that all the time. A lot of haters say, how can you say that? Yeah, where is God? There's all these horrible things and all that. But what does the word say? The word simply says, God always leads us to triumph. If you believe it, you will receive it. You don't believe it? Meh. Meh. Who are you to blame? Why are you blaming the other, you know? But the word says, God always leads us to triumph in Christ. And one of my favorite examples is Jacob. Jacob in Genesis. He really suffered. And some of you, some of you are familiar with the story, some of you not. I'll take the time to read it. Genesis 31, but basically Jacob was working for his father-in-law for 20 years and then he was scammed, he was cheated on, um, he couldn't leave, he, he married his, the daughter and then he wanted to leave but he, he wasn't allowed to and then his wages were changed 10 times. And finally, God gave him an ingenious strategy to make a deal with his father-in-law to take his flocks away and to set up home somewhere else. And what Jacob was able to do would be considered what we call genetic engineering today. He made a deal with his father-in-law. He says, okay, you don't let me go now. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's make a deal, you and I, okay? And Laban is the name of his father-in-law. Laban, you and I, we make a deal. 
I'll take care of your flocks. I'll look after them. Now, those that are speckled, those that are streaked, those that are ugly, I'll keep them. I'll keep them. So if the flocks, at the end of, at the end of I don't know what, maybe one year, I don't know, I'm not sure. Okay, but um, at the end of this time, all the ugly flocks, I'll keep them and I'll take them. And then Laban tried to scam him and his sons. They tried to take the, the, the flocks away, you know, trying to make sure that he doesn't get his share. But Jacob came up with a strategy. And he was able to create an environment for these flocks to, to keep reproducing and reproducing and multiplying and multiplying. And, and his flocks just kept growing. It didn't matter what Laban did. His flocks just kept growing. And then Jacob said to his wife, Rachel, with all my might, I have served Laban. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. Lift your eyes and see all the rams that are streaked speckled and gray-spotted. They are mine. They're, they're his. For I have seen, I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. So God knew what Laban was doing to him. And it didn't matter whatever Laban was doing, God kept reproducing Jacob's flocks. But Jacob was tenacious, he was smart, he was strategic, and he was able to receive and to be able to tap into his genius that God gave him to reproduce the flocks that he was taking care of. So these, are, these three traits for me are really essential for a king to succeed. Now, to summarize, many of you, if you're multi-talented, you know, on one hand, you're kind of creative and you've done many careers or at the same time, you're able to also digest a lot of information. Your mind is always constantly going and, and you always want to learn. And that makes you a polymath. If your mind goes really quickly, you're always on a drive to learn. You're, you're driven to learn. You're hungry. You're a polymath king. And I want to tell you again, you are a genius by design. And let me tell you something else that, that is mind-blowing when the Lord gave it to me. Now, the world will measure intelligence by IQ, right? Like, what's your IQ? You know, kids go for IQ tests and, you know, that sort of stuff. And, oh, so that's like a person with high IQ is very intelligent. A person with low IQ is not so intelligent. Yeah, and then, you know, this is how the world measures intelligence. But if a person with low IQ is a born-again believer, and, is the, and the person with high IQ is also a born-again believer. They have the same DNA of Jesus. And that makes them both geniuses because they have the DNA of Jesus. That becomes a leveling ground. That becomes a leveling ground. This can be a total game-changer if you get this revelation. It is time for you to tap into the genius that God has put inside of you. You could be like, I don't know, an, an amazing cook. Like Valentina, I know she's on today, my cook, my chef. She's amazing. She's amazing. 
what she's able to accomplish in the culinary realm is genius level for me. I can't touch her. I can't touch her. So she's a genius when it comes to the culinary level. And look, I've got it here. Graphic design by Annette Pacheco. I absolutely love my manager. I just want to shout out to her. She's been so awesome. She's been helping me. Oh my gosh, you guys, you know, like, absolutely. She is an amazing, amazing manager. There she is. She's also polymath. She's a manager. She's, a, she's able to help me with the administration, right? So that's like more like the logical left brain side. But She's also really talented with graphic design. All these gorgeous posts that I've been putting out. I can't do stuff like that. I don't know how to do graphic design. Guess what? It's Annette. So you guys go seek her out. Make sure that you pay her well because she absolutely deserves it. She is a genius in graphics. Now, you and I, we are called to be stewards of his kingdom. That is part of our role and our identity. We serve the king of kings. We serve the king of kings. We are stewards of his kingdom. Matthew 25, 21 says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. You know, when all said is done, this is what we want to hear from our Lord Jesus. When we see him one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. And that's also a core part of who we're made to be. We might be a king, but we are also a servant. Stewards, they account to the owner. We manage assets that do not belong to us. What do I mean by that? Everything in our life, everything in our lives, okay, have been given to us the breath in my lungs. That's a gift from God. Our limbs, our life, our possessions. Your job as a steward is to manage them. The assets, I call them assets, you manage them to the maximum advantage or profit of your owner. Now, in the financial world, they call it assets under management, AUM. But what am I talking about when I say AUM? I'm talking about talents, I'm talking about gifting, I'm talking about calling, I'm talking about your message of salvation, I'm talking about your family, I'm talking about relationships, I'm talking about your job, I'm talking about your money, your possessions, basically everything in your life. You have got AUM, assets under management. You are the manager of these assets that God has given you. Why do I say that? This is from the Bible, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Do you not know you are not your own, for you were bought at a price? Now friends who are new to Christian concepts, I, I do know some of you friends that have signed up you know, this is maybe a little bit new for you. Now, Jesus died on the cross for us. He paid a huge price so that you get to go to heaven one day. I'm going to say it real simple. And he paid so that everything in your life that you have done that is bad, we call it sin, is wiped out. Everything in the past, in the present, and in the future. 
and his, he paid a price. He died on the cross for your sin. But he didn't stay on the cross. He died and then he was resurrected. But the fact remains that he bought you your life in heaven. So you have been bought at a price. Therefore, you are not your own. You are not your own. And then 1 Corinthians 4, 1 to 2, it says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be faithful. If you and I are called stewards, and we are called stewards, that's part of our kingship as well. We need to be found faithful. We need to be found faithfully stewarding the assets under our management. Now, I was so inspired when I watched this film one time and read about it. Chick-fil-A, one of the largest restaurants in the U.S. Huge, very successful. Of course, right now we have the pandemic that's uh, awful for the restaurant sector. But the la for all the way through to like 2019, Chick-fil-A has been probably behind, um, I think, uh, the McDonald's and uh, KFC. And, and they are a Christian company. They are a Christian company. And this is what this plaque is actually found outside their headquarters. It's actually stated as their corporate purpose to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us. To have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Now that's a good steward. That's a really good steward. Your life is God's gift to you. Your gift to God is your life. This quote I got off John Kilpatrick when I was watching him one time on, on God TV years ago, and I was so impressed because it drives home the point, your life is God's gift to you. Your gift to God is your life. Paul said this in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It is no longer I, Y.E. Schmidt, who live, but Christ lives in me. The next one. Kings, first we, we covered kings are stewards, now we are servants. Just want to remind you. Okay, John 13 to 13, 15 says, You call me teacher and Lord, so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Now, I, I just spent quite some time on this. You know, it, it seems like it's a verse, it's a passage, it's very famous how, you know, Jesus washing his disciples' feet and a lot of people do it just out of like, I don't know, whatever they call it, prophetic act or as a, as a gift to honor their whatever, you know, to, as a gift, as, a, as, a, as an act of honoring people. And, but um, there's, there's quite a lot in what Jesus says. He says, you call me teacher and Lord. So that makes him a leader. So I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I've done to you. 
Now, Jesus is saying, follow me, emulate me, serve, and also lead. Not just serve, but lead as well. And how do you lead? You lead by serving. It's like it loops around. You serve and you lead and you lead by serving. And then in Matthew 20, 25 to 28, it says very clearly, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. He said it himself. I did not come to be served, but to serve. So we need to be serving in humility like our servant king. Let me just read out this passion translation. This is so good. This is so good. Matthew 20, 25 to 28. Jesus said, kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling, you and I. Our calling is different. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. Because the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. This is what he came for. To serve us through his life so that we might be saved. You getting that? That was Jesus' act of service. Jesus' act of service is the ultimate act of service. He came as a sacrifice for us, to offer his life for us so that we may be saved. That is the heart of a servant. That's a heart of a servant. That's a heart of selfless love. Ultimate selflessness. Now, why do I go on and on about this? This is so important because I'm thinking, how do I phrase this? I, I, I've gone quite deep into this in the book because in your journey to become, to live out your calling as a king, it is very easy to fall to the sin of pride. Let me just repeat that again. Let me just, no, let me just, give you a little bit of a backstory. A few, a couple of years ago, I, was I think it was 2018, and I was at this amazing, amazing conference that was organized, a writing conference that was organized by um, my apostle and spiritual dad, Apostle Ryan Lestrange, and I ran into Apostle Eckhart, some of you know, Apostle Eckhart's assistant, and we were talking about a lot of different things, and then he forwarded a book to me, and I had the privilege of reading this amazing book by Apostle Eckhart, and he talked about the spirit of Leviathan. Friends, if you don't understand some of the stuff that I'm saying, don't worry about it. Just, just put it on the back burner. I'll, I'll take a chance. I'll take the time to explain to you. Some of you, all this stuff is a bit new. But for some of you out there, it's very important that you hear what I'm saying, okay? He talked about the spirit of Leviathan affecting a lot of coastal cities, where cities that are surrounded by water or near water 
And in societies like that, there's a lot of prosperity, there's a concentration of wealth, but there is very, there's a low rate of salvation in these places. Now, it got me thinking about the places that I lived my, my, in my life. I stayed in, I stayed in, in Singapore. It was an, it's an island state surrounded by water. You know, Singapore went through an amazing, amazing evangelism and revival. Hong Kong was a very hard place spiritually, and Hong Kong was also surrounded by water. And I'm thinking about London and New York. All of these coastal cities, big, 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 big cities, they are near huge bodies of water. And my own city, Frankfurt. It's called Frankfurt am Main. Simply means Frankfurt on the River Main. We are right, right on this body of water. And, and there's, it's hard to get people saved in the city here. I'm not, I don't want to say that it's impossible. I've seen so many people come to Christ the last 10 years. I've seen so many. But the rate of salvation is low. And, and I have had so much contact with people that are very successful. And, and honestly, I love them. I love them. I love them, like I said. But the one thing that I've noticed about people that are very successful, they, if they don't know God, it's very hard for them to acknowledge that God has anything to do with their success. And I'm saying, you and I, if we are called to be on this journey to be kings, and I'm very sure we are, it is so important that we humble ourselves before our King Jesus. It is so important that you remember where you come from. It is so important that you take this key. This is a key. This is an antidote. I'm not asking you to go, go uh, I don't know, you know, intercede against the spirit of Leviathan. I'm not going into all that spiritual stuff. No, it is not your place to do it. It's not your thing. Don't, don't even go near there. What I'm saying is the one way, the one antidote against being affected by this principality is to stay humble, is to always remember where you come from. This is the key. This is the key. And, and I know because my husband and I, we've walked this journey of success. And it is so easy to be tempted. It is so easy. You know, it's, it's when you feel that, oh my gosh, you know, it's happening. Our, our lives are getting, we're, you know, financially, it's just trans, there's transformation. We're, we're succeeding with the work of our hands. And it's so easy to think it's us, not God. Are you struggling with knowing your purpose and higher calling in life? Did you know God wants you to be a strategic and powerful leader on this earth and to build wealth for the kingdom? Multimillionaire global investor Yi Schmidt wants to help you become all this and more. In this book, you will be activated in your identity as kings. Learn to boldly battle, succeed in life, and recover your ordained sphere of influence. Learn powerful keys to unlock wealth building for your family and God's kingdom. Be initiated into the lost tribe of kings, rising to reign and rule alongside Jesus, the King of Kings. This book will propel you to flourish in life and attain generational wealth. Are you ready?